back in the studio for another podcast of the Human Resource. My name is Pandy Pridemore. And one of my favorite people in the whole world, one of my mentors, Carl Ulrich from Sibley Shillitoe and Dyer is here. And you know the, the best part of working with somebody like this, and I hope you all have somebody like him in your life. I mean, I really, really do because... You've heard me say this a million times if you've been watching the show. You have to surround yourself with people who are better than you. And even though I'm older than Carl, he's still better than me. Now, there's some things that I can do that he can't do. But let me tell you, this man's got a voice. So he has more things that I'm just so impressed with. And he's back today because we wanted to talk about foreign workers, now, if you go back to our YouTube channel, if you Google um, Google me on YouTube, you will find Carl on a show talking about foreign workers and all the complications that we anticipated at the time. Right, Carl? It was just kind of, we were, it was still early in the game. We, we were, our instincts were honed that something was going to come up, some, there were going to be some changes. I think we even talked about the I-9 possibly changing and we, you know, we all know that that's going to happen. But now we're seeing and hearing more and more circumstances that lead us to believe that we really need to hone your instincts and get you as HR or our uh, leaders in your company, get you guys more aware of what's going on out in the real world um, with some of our, our clients and some of our other our companies. I, I did get three calls on this asking for us to talk about this, so... This is definitely a, a viewer-driven topic, foreign workers. Get, so get this. <laughs> one, of my, one of my callers said, we hired somebody five weeks ago. She's doing great. We love her, love her, love her, love her. But we just extended an offer to another individual, and they're doing their I-9. Or off, you know, she's providing the documents. And she has the same social security number as the other individual. Different name, uh, yes. different name, but the same social. They still put it through E-Verify. It approved it. Yeah. It yeah. approved it. And E-Verify is not 100% uh, uh, accurate either in every case. But first of all, let me say thank you for that wonderful introduction. I really appreciate that. <laughs> uh, very nice of you to say. Um, I might quibble with a few things you said there about <laughs> About uh, do not break out in song, but you know I won't break out in song. Trust me. <laughs> but thank you for that. Uh, it's great to be here again, and and I appreciate your having me on the show. Um, yeah, it, it is. Uh, it is. So we're in an environment now uh, where employers of all shapes and sizes, companies of all industries, they're looking for workers. They're desperately trying to find staff. They're trying to find anybody who can fill a position, right? And in a situation like that, naturally, uh, there are going to be circumstances where corners are being cut on either side of the table, right? Employer side or the employee side. And what you described, I think, is, uh, well, I wouldn't say common. It does happen. And, uh, and so one of the things I think employers have to be aware of is that in an environment where you're seeing a lot of folks out there who uh, are, are looking for work but may or may not uh, may not be work authorized here in the in the US there are certain things that employers have to be very concerned about and have to have to have to do in order to verify 
legal authorization to to be employed. So the I-9 process is a very specific, very detailed, and sometimes extremely frustrating process, but it is absolutely necessary. It's part of and should be part of every onboarding um, um, system that an employer has. Uh, and what you described really is is a great example of where things can go wrong, even without the knowledge of the employer, the people who are doing the onboarding. It doesn't come to light until after you get another Social Security card with the same number, a different name, right? Or the same name, the same number for two different employees, I guess, in this case. Obviously, that gives rise to a, consider, a concern that uh, one or both of those individuals are using uh, improper or uh, fraudulent documentation. So what does the employer do in a situation like that? You know, um, you, know you fire them both. Well, um, you could do that. But um, actually, if you go back to the Department of Labor and you look at the the USCIS's guidance, uh, or, or the, the Department of Homeland Security, and you look at the USCIS's guidance on this, what the USCIS says is, no, at that point, you've got to go back to them and say, okay, these documents are not correct. You need to provide us with uh, one or more of the uh, enumerated documents on the I-9 form to verify that you are the person you say you are, identity, and that you are work authorized in the United States. That may be the same document, it may be two different documents, but you have to get those documents. You have to give them an opportunity to present proper documentation, which you then inspect and and uh, update and amend the I-9 um, documentation, the I-9 form. Uh, that's the first step. Um, and uh, uh, they can't produce that documentation. You cannot employ them. And, and I would say that there needs to be a timeline on that because some of these employers are waiting until the third day. So obviously, if you're asking for another document from uh, category C, they're not going to be able to produce it within hours. Right. But if you give them a day or two, that's that's plenty. Yeah, I mean, typically, think about it this way. The, the typical process is you have to you have to sit down with them on day one Mm-hmm. When you're onboarding them, uh, begin fill out the information. Uh, you can give them up to three days from the date of hire to supply appropriate documentation to verify identity and work authorization. But that's it. Mm-hmm. And if you if you don't get the information within three days, you can't continue to employ them. And so those time frames are pretty short, and they're designed to be short in order to force the issue, to force the the compliance, timeliness of the compliance. And I think it's probably fair that to follow that same process in a follow-up as well. In other words, uh, three days from the date you bring the issue to their attention, they, they supply the documentation or they can no longer be employed. Uh, I think that's, a, that's a, probably a valid rule of thumb. Yeah, and, and they were very hesitant because they, they wanted to challenge the second woman, but they didn't want to challenge the first woman because they love her and they didn't want to lose her. But it's illegal to pick, right? Uh, you, I mean, know, it's, it's, you can't discriminate. That's a great question. I mean, uh, I, I think employers are oftentimes tempted to um, favor a particular individual over another because they happen to be a good employee or they happen to have uh, some qualities that the other person lacks. But in a compliance situation, that's not only dangerous, it is potentially illegal. And as you said, um, look, what happened in that situation calls into question the documents 
that both those individuals prepared are supplied. Consequently, you have to deal with both those individuals in exactly the same way. You can't assume that one of them is telling the truth and the other one's lying. Um, absent any other indication, you need to you need to address them uh, the issue with them both equally and uh, require them to supply all the required documentation within the same time frame. Well, and and the employer. In her very nervous tone, said, "Look, we, we're doing everything we're supposed to. We, we, if if e verify comes back and says both are approved, and we're asking for additional documentation, we're doing what we're supposed to be doing." And I had to applaud her because she really was. She was going through the motions, even though everything was, you know, coming out wrong. She was doing everything she should. Another call. <laughs> another call I got. Well, actually, this was a conversation. Um, but a, a trucking company, I mean, we can't get enough CDLs, right? So a trucking company offers uh, employment to a gentleman, and, and the DOT has all their requirements, you know, medical certification. The gentleman immediately says, oh, well, uh, before we go any further, I'm not legally able to work here, so could you just pay me as a 1099? I'll be an independent contractor. The employer very professionally said, no, I'm afraid we're not looking for independent contractors right now. Two days later, another individual comes and provides the exact same script. Carl, it was like somebody, he, he said, Panty, it was like somebody just stood next to him and gave him the words or gave him a script and he, he read from the script. He knew exactly what to say. I'm not legally able to work here. I Can you pay me by a 1099? These folks are more educated than we think. And they may be coached. Yeah. Um, one wonders who would be doing the coaching, but uh, and 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 for what reason or for what benefit? But uh, w- well, they're out there, um, and there are uh, recruiting and referral agencies out there we know who are, um, let's say, obligated by contract to their customers, the companies that are hiring people, to perform some of the onboarding services like the gathering of documentation. Ultimately, uh, the caution I give to my client customer companies is if you're engaging a recruiting firm, if you're engaging a referral agency, make sure they're actually doing what they're saying they're, they're doing because the ultimate liability and responsibility for compliance in this areas, area belongs with the company, belongs with the client customer it belongs with the employer. It doesn't mean the referral agency couldn't be sanctioned or couldn't be penalized as well. But ultimately, I nine compliance rests with the employer, the company that is having the employees do the work. and And if you're, you know, if you're outsourcing that to another organization or to to a vendor of some kind, make sure they're the vendor is actually doing that. And and I found over time that in all kinds of areas, not just I nine compliance, but in all kinds of areas, those referral agencies aren't always doing what they've contractually obligated themselves to do, or at least they're not doing it as well as the employer customer would, would oftentimes like. So a, a little bit of caution, a little bit of of care and uh, oversight is probably useful there. Uh, You're never completely off the hook if you rely on outside organizations like that. 
Well, on our very first podcast for the human resource, we talked about that $1.5 million fine for all the I-9 violations. I still laugh at that. It's like, right. what? I mean, that's like, that was a staffing agency. What were they thinking? <laughs> right. Exactly. What the flip? Exactly. And the, the penalties have increased uh, as recently as I think it was October 2021. So yeah. not a lot, but they've gone up. Um, yeah. The other thing to keep in mind, too, is that you know, going back to your earlier situation, um, employer has actual knowledge of fraudulent documentation, has actual knowledge that somebody is potentially being employed illegally and continues to employ them. That's no longer just a civil sanction. That could also be a criminal penalty. Oh, let's and just so, pile them up. And so there are other, you know, for, for egregious, repeat, ongoing conduct like that, Keep in mind that there are other sanctions that could uh, far worse than simply paying a fine. So, uh, again, the, the enforcement environment is is tightening up considerably, and I suppose you'd expect that in the kind of labor market we have now. Well, and it's interesting you you just triggered a, another thought for me. Some of our viewers may know what a professional employer organization is, a PEO. And in those circumstances, the I nine is the responsibility of the PEO. However. The client company may be collecting all that new hire documentation and sending it back to the PEO. Or in some cases, I have clients that that kept the paperwork. And then when they severed their relationship with the PEO, they didn't understand that they had to get all new I-9s and all new personnel files established. So viewers, if you are in that situation and you've been working with a professional employer organization, a PEO, you end that relationship and those individuals, those employees now are legally yours, that means you have to redo those I-9s. That third party is no longer responsible and you can't use or rely on the I-9 that you collected for that company because it belongs to them. That's a great point. Um, the other the other caution is if you are relying on valid documentation, but some of the documentation, like for example, an employment authorization document, which is a common work authorization for foreign workers, those documents have expiration dates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good which point. Which means that uh, you may use that, you may hire someone on that basis, but you forget that that authorization expires at some point. Which means that if you retain that individual beyond the expiration date, they don't have work authorization, that becomes a compliance issue. And it sneaks up on you. You don't remember. You've got to go back and, and re-verify. So, so when you examine the documents, when you examine the underlying information upon which you are filling out, uh, upon which you're basing the I-9 um, uh, form, uh, make sure that you've noted any expiration dates, especially in the foreign worker context. And that you uh, docket or you calendar uh, the um, follow-up, you know, going back to the employee and saying, okay, your, your documentation is expiring in 30 days. Uh, tell me that you're in process for getting a renewal or extension. Or, and there's some rules that allow, you know, some gap coverage there. And, and you know, but, but making sure that it's just some of the basic organizational stuff, docketing the deadline, making sure that you have some advance notice and, and you circle back with the employee, that's going to go a long way to protecting the employer from any inadvertent um, compliance issues that might pop up. Yeah. And, and, and another, what were you thinking moment? Um, I was doing an audit the other day and I came across an employment application that said, are you a U.S. citizen? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Uh, can't ask that question. 
Um, not unless you've got a good, legitimate business justification for asking a question. You know, the security clearance, for example. A job requires a security clearance. You have to be a U.S. citizen to get a security clearance. There may be a reason, legitimate, legitimate reason. To My ask marine that company does that. There you go. To get a TWIC card and to be on the yeah. rivers and waterways of the U.S., they have to be, yes. But why is that question a, a problem? Well, the question is a problem because as long as someone is authorized to work in the United States, whether they're a U.S. citizen, a green card holder, resident, non-citizen, or even someone who's, let's say, on refugee or asylee status who may have temporary work authorization while they're waiting to eventually return to their home country one day, who knows. But as long as they're equally qualified, uh, you can't discriminate on the basis of one person uh, being a non-citizen. So you have to be, uh, you have to be dialing that issue out of the uh, uh, out of the analysis, um, as long as the, the you know the, if the if the better qualified individual happens to be permanent resident and the citizen is less qualified, you probably need to hire the permanent resident. What can I tell you? When I have Carl on, he's nothing but a bunch of solutions. So what are you going to do? You're going to go back to your office. You're going to make sure that there aren't any expiration dates that you needed to be verifying that your I-9s have been audited and that you've got one on every employee and you're not asking the wrong questions on your employment application. My name's Pandy. This is Carl. And you've been listening to The Human Resource. Hope you enjoyed it. And remember, send your questions in. Maybe we'll get them on the show. <laughs>